for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is August 29th, 2023. I am your host, Aaron Blasey. I am by myself today. This is going to be kind of a shorter intro, but uh, just how scheduling went. And uh, we actually had a really bad storm come through, and uh, David's family got basically the brunt of it. So uh, he's been dealing with stuff for the last like five or six days on this big storm. So uh, it's just going to be me and Troy Pottinger today, uh, episode 322, if I hadn't said that already. Today is going to be episode number four of the Pottinger Way, and uh, we are... This is this is the most like semi live podcast that I think you can do. Troy, I literally just talked to him, and uh, Troy is he, he hunts in Idaho and Washington State, and his openers are tomorrow and the day after. So he's literally going to be hunting tomorrow and the day after. So today we break that down. I mean, we are literally twenty four hours out from him climbing into a tree for the first time this year and we're getting the first hand information on you know what's going to go down like how this is all going to partake um and how it's all going to shake out so i i really hope he goes in and, and is able to get after one right away we'll find out because if he does we're going to have another podcast here asap so that is going to be today's podcast i'm going to try to keep this intro short um, but i do have a couple housekeeping things we have some new hats on the website, fallpodcast.com, okay? They're camel hats. We got a real tree, original camel with a patch hat that says the fall on it, and a multi-cam. They are going like hotcakes. We, I got them on the website, I think, Friday, last Friday. I can't keep them on the shelf. So if you guys want one for a hat for this season, uh, like I said, there's a multi-cam one. I did get a, I did get another order of the Riley hats and the AB hats. So the gray with the black bill with the patch hat and the black hat with the Riley uh, with the patch hat, they are all back in stock. 
Uh, we also have hoodies and t-shirts where what I'm kind of doing is trying to uh, get a lot of this stuff off the shelf to bring on new stuff. So we're starting to sell out in some things, which is okay because we're going to get more, but we're trying to sell some of this stuff so we can get some new stuff coming in. So just wanted to like hit that first and foremost, go to fallpodcast.com, check out the merch. Uh, but if you guys also are looking for any last minute mobile hunting gear, anything like that, look no further than Latitude Outdoors. You can go there, check out the the Method Two uh, Method Two Two Panel Saddle. Okay. Also, I want you to check out the new new color. We have a new color in the ten millimeter ropes, and if you guys want uh, just a smaller diameter, the eight mil ropes. Now these things are awesome because they save on weight and they save on space when you're storing them, or they're just they're just really easy to handle. So it's the it's called the Vapor Line, which is the eight millimeter ropes. Check those out. Or if you want to check out the 10 mil, which are awesome ropes as well, we got a new color on them. So go check them out at latitudeoutdoors.com. Use the code the fall podcast, all one word to save some money at the checkout. Also, don't want to forget Latitude's in session podcast with Jake Bush. If you guys are like serious deer hunters or want to up your game or anything like that, that is the one stop shop right there to check out all the great information. And that is going to up your game on anything whitetail hunting related. Jake does a really good job with that. He's very knowledgeable and he is one that you're going to want to listen to and learn from. So check that out anywhere you get your podcast. Also, Grit. We have our digital series rolling out on YouTube right now. We've rolled out five episodes. We've got five more to go and uh, check those out. They drop on Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern every other Friday. This Friday, we actually have a hunt recap coming from Wisconsin, and uh, the next Friday, we'll have episode number six from part one from Indiana going, so 5 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, so check that out. All right, next, Helix Broadheads. You guys are looking for the business end of the arrow. Look no further than Helix Broadheads. Use the code FALLHX10 to get in my opinion, the best single bevel broadhead out there. It penetrates like crazy. It's great on accuracy. It's very dependable, and you can get them with bleeders now. So the FJ4 has bleeders, and the FJ2 does not. Single bevel, right bevel broadhead. You can get them in a variety of sizes. I use the 125 grain. Check them out. I've been shooting these for this will be the third year now. I've killed five deer with them. I really love them. I have not one bad thing to say about them. Use the code FALLHX10 to uh, get those coming. Also, one and the same, America's Best Bowstrings, they are the same company. They are owned by the same owner. If you guys are looking for a new string, a platinum, a premium, or a Pursuit Series string, check out America's Best Bowstrings. Use the code THEFALL to get your new string or get it ordered now if you guys need one because um, they're trying to, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's tis the season, basically. We're here. It's, it's September 1, basically, and people want everything, and it's kind of getting everything backed up, so get it ordered. Next, Exodus Outdoor Gear. Use the code TF for 15% off of the Rival or the Render cell cam bundle, and, uh, you know, it's hard to compete with the five-year no BS warranty with theft and damage coverage. It is really hard to beat that. Um, they also offer arrows on the site as well. So use the code TF at uh, exodusoutdoorgear.com and check them out. Next is Garmin. I don't really have much to to you know much to say. You, if you guys are a listener of the podcast, 
you know how much I love Garmin products. The A1, A1i, the A1i Pro, you can check these out now. You can get a $100 mail-in rebate right now. I think it ends tomorrow, I think is when it ends. So if you guys are looking for a site, you get a $100 mail-in rebate right now for an A1, A1 and A1i or an A1i Pro at your local Garmin dealer, or you can buy it online and email them and, they, and let them know about the rebate. Say, I want to get the rebate. They will send you everything that you need. Check them out at Garmin.com. You will not be disappointed in this at all. So check them out. Uh, next, Buck Bourbon. Now, we just did a podcast with George from Buck Bourbon. That'll be going live here in the next couple of weeks. Buck Bourbon's coming up with some awesome stuff. They have some really good food plot seed that I've been using this year. It's awesome. It really is. I know they have attractants and mineral. We cannot run them here in Michigan. But I have used them when I when I filmed uh, last year with uh, Mark Peterson in Kentucky, he uses buck bourbon in a state that you can bait on private land. Um, I've watched this stuff firsthand. This stuff is like gold for them. So that uh, they have the the ground blinds as well, the Rackhouse 300 plus ground blind or the Rackhouse 150 plus. It's a budget friendly ground blind, but a very, uh, I guess I should say a very good use of a ground blind and how the functionality and everything, the doors, the windows, there's a lot of thought put into this stuff. Also, something I just got in the mail yesterday and I haven't got to dive into it much, but they have a knife kit now, okay? It's called the Distiller's Cut, I believe, and it's it comes with a sheath and you get like four different knives with a caping hook and everything with gutting gloves, uh, a flashlight and everything. It goes in one sheath that's all you need to take to the field with you to gut a deer. It is the whitetail, it is the whitetail guy's like best friend, honestly. And I cannot wait to put it to use. I am actually heading to Kentucky on Friday, so I'll be there for a week. We might be able to put it to use. I don't know. Me, Jake Bush, Corey Godard are going down there, um, and we're gonna be hunting and filming in Kentucky. So hopefully we'll get to put it to use. I thought I was gonna go to Nebraska, but uh, the plans changed. Now I'm going to Kentucky. So. Uh, go to buckbourbon.com and use the code TFP20 on any of those items so you guys can save. They're, it's great stuff, so go check them out, okay? Uh, lastly, but certainly not least, is Prime. If you guys are looking for a new bow or in the market for a new bow, uh, try out the RevX2, the RevX4, or the RevX6, I believe, and uh, try them out at g5prime.com. And if you talk to the Prime guys, tell them that you heard about them on the fall podcast and you really want to try them out because of that. So that is it, guys. I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet. But uh, if you could go to those, you know, those websites or ask about those partners, inquire about those products because they're top notch products and uh, something that is, you know, we use religiously and uh, we believe in them. So check them out. Also, thank you guys for all the support and all the downloads. Please keep doing that. Tell a friend. Also, go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a written review. That is always helpful. And uh, I guess I'm going to get over to this interview that I did with with Mr. Troy Pottinger a little bit ago. So here is the interview with Troy Pottinger. I'm going to hit record on both of these just so we can we can roll with it. Um, I'm going to shoot for an hour if you're good with that. Yeah, so does that mean I can kick my feet up and we can just freaking get after it on the audio? <laughs> You can do whatever you want, Troy. You can kick your feet up. Heck, if you want to take your shirt off, you can take it off. 
<laughs> Get the guns out. <laughs> Gun show. I love, it, I love it, man. So how you been? How, how's everything going? Really good. Uh, you know, just like you guys, just like all of us, just freaking. I've been working my ass off, but loving it, getting ready because it's here. I'm, I'm in a tree. You know, I'm in a tree in yeah. two days. Well, actually, yeah. as you know, we are recording right now. Just so you know, we'll we'll roll with this right here. But, yeah. Um, you know, as this is going live right now, and you know, which is Tuesday, you're gonna be in a tree in 24 hours. You're gonna be in a tree. Hell, tomorrow. You know, you could be tracking a deer in in roughly 24 hours <laughs> you know what i mean like it's coming yeah. it's here yeah it's the reality is here and all the i don't know all the build up all the work all the prep all the everything we love to do now it's go time it's it's time to kick off and get it get it rolling i'm 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 freaking pumped about um some time that i have i mean a little bit a little bit tight Ty, Ty had an injury in football so um as as much as i hate to say that it opened me up to some more hunting in the month of september seriously and okay. he, he's gonna be all right but i think i think he's looking at like three to four weeks mm, that sucks so in the reality if we want to talk true life reality here my yeah, my game just changed. Uh, you know, I've been, you and I have been talking in the last two years about adapting, molding a new way of uh, a schedule or adapting and molding a new way of hunting to a tight, tight, tight schedule. And all of a sudden, uh, the life of being a football player for Ty, he gets dinged and he's probably, he's probably three weeks out at least. So my entire, pretty much my entire month of September freed up quite a bit more because as much as I want to go travel and watch the team play, I mean, I'll be blunt and my son's not even going to dress down. Guess who the first person is to tell me not to even freaking show. Yeah. No my kidding. kid. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, dad, but we get a long season and we're going to, you know, we're going to make a playoff run. I'll get healthy. Take this advantageous opportunity for you and he's like go, dad don't even think about coming you go kill those deer you're after so yeah. so there you go Aaron. right out of the gate a couple days ago ty gives me a text and says yeah might be a couple weeks before i'm uh back out in full force and that sucks for ty i i know you know because they they made a hell of a run last year had a great team are they are they primed for a better team and a better season this year? Yeah. Um, two years ago, Ty went to the national championship and they lost it. Yeah. His freshman, and they and then they semifinaled it last year with a very young team. Uh, this year they got everybody back, everybody but uh, a couple really good players last year that are playing in the NFL now. Other than that, they got eight or nine returning starters on both sides of the ball, or at least at least eight or nine on the offense. The defense isn't that far behind. I'd say there's a few new faces on the defense, but a big-time maturity jump for the entire team on both sides. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. That's I mean, they're primed for the next couple of years until, until Ty like, even graduates. 
You know what I mean? You got I, that many returners back and underclassmen, man, that's a hell of a good good thing to have. Yeah, and the returners are not seniors this year. Not very many seniors. A few, a few, of course, you're always gonna lose a couple good ones. But the bulk of this team that Tyson's on is his age, which ties a sophomore in football this year, and that class right above him. So all those guys have this year and next year. And I mean, what do I know about football? compared to the analysts or coaches but i think this team from what i've seen and watched them build and get to the size and the strength and the depth that they need i think if they have a relatively uh, good injury free regular season i personally think deep run natty type year heck yeah that it, it, it's in the cards and it's very uh it's very doable, and if you look at listen, excuse me, if you listen to all the analysts, they're all saying the same thing. If they stay healthy, they're going to be hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope the best for Ty, man. I'm pulling for him. Hopefully, he gets a full recovery and gets back on the field. And you know, and it, it, it I, I want to say this lightly. You know, we, you, we talked about adapting, but his injury opens up a door. You know, for you. Not, I mean. It, it sucks that he's injured, but that does open a door for you, like you said, you know, so yeah. let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, you're not going to be traveling much for the next three to four weeks, possibly with Ty being out. Um, how does your outlook look now going into September? I mean, you know, hell, you know, going into early October, you, you're going to be around home quite a bit, probably just working and making sure the family's good but like how does that how does that transition or how much do you have to uh you know pivot a little bit because of Ty's injury and and move some things around uh the biggest pivot for me is is starting to lay out all these extra days that I'm going to be in a tree in a, in a couple different states um planning all that out looking at the logistics looking at the calendar I've got a, I've done so much work this off season, uh, even with my, my camps that are set up to go to, uh, I'm positioned to where I can go stay for multiple days. Um, I've got real good friends and family in one area, and then I've got a place in another area and then down here, you know, kind of three areas, mm-hmm. my home base. And then I'll say my other place and then friends and family. So, so just working out those details with those other entities, especially with if I'm staying friends and family type stuff, but a lot of it will also be dictated for me. And it always is for me on these deer by who's killable. Um, I'm, ex- I'm excited that I have more than one deer to get after, but I've kind of got one that just really means a lot to me. Like probably, probably if I could get him, if I could get him killed would probably be one of the most meaningful bucks that I've ever killed in my life. Just so much history. I mean, it's everything that I've ever always been about as a whitetail hunter and felt like I tried to, um, I don't think promotes the right word, but feel like just going out there and letting bucks get a year, get a year, even though you're gambling, I know it's so hard to pass deer. 
I, I know it is. And this is one of those, if, if I can get closure on this deer, this is one of those stories where all the passing and all the trusting that he was so freaking smart that he was going to make it and that he was in a good area that I thought he had a good chance to make it. And I just, just how cagey he's always been, even as a young buck, I thought, man, back when he was two and a half, he acted like a four and a half year old deer the way he walked around. And I noticed mm -hmm. that about him right out of the gate. When I first found him, I was actually hunting a different buck, but this little guy was acting like, which at seven and a half this year, I can almost tell he was out of the big buck I was hunting five years ago. Oh, really? And he was, and he was getting to hang out with that deer. And I rarely see old mature bucks allow a two and a half year old buck around him. And I feel like now that the two and a half year old has blossomed into the seven and a half year old and made it. And that 2018 buck has since gone. He disappeared. I never killed him. But I found this young guy that was hanging with him a lot. He looks so much like that buck. And he acts so much like that 2018 buck. So this deer, five, five years of history, um, it makes me feel really good that I put, I put in two different mock scrapes, a true linear mile apart in a drainage that you can drive up into. And I think I'm 13 miles in but I put these two mock scrapes in at elevations back in 2018, the summer of 18 to try to kill the big deer I was hunting in 18. And I found that big deer on them, but I also raised this two and a half year old on those two mock scrapes for the next five years. Wow. So he and hasn't moved say, much then, right? He, Again, a, a mile through the air on a map is is a good distance in the mountains. It's There's a lot of topography. I guess that we're not on video, but it, for your listeners, there's a lot of up and down. Yep. There's a deep, deep, deep canyon. He runs on both sides of it. But yes, um, he, I would say this deer, Aaron, based on all of my data on him and when he's not there and when he shows up, I believe this is his late summer, early fall area. And then when the rut kicks in, it's a lot tougher to get him because he's he's probably covering five miles minimum, minimum. And then late, 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 late season when the rut dies down at that Christmas time or right before Christmas, he'll come back. Okay. So my window of opportunity based on all the data or just all the, yeah, the, the, just all the info I've gathered, the historical is early. He, he daylights. It's funny. He, he, he daylighted a lot as a two and a half. Then as a three and a half, it's, it shrunk a little. And as a four and a half, it shrunk a little. He started getting big at four and a half. Like he was legit. At four and a half. He was pushing 160, probably probably 55 at four and a half. Wow. Um, and then he just kind of stayed in that 55 to 60 range till six and a half and just kept getting heavier. Well, for whatever reason, this year at seven and a half, he he made a good jump. 
And I'll say that about my mountain bucks. If they can get to six and a half, seven and a half, eight and a half, a lot of times that's my very best years on these deer, uh, body, antler, everything. If they can get there. Now, for perspective, every other deer in that drainage that had any promise five and a, five five years ago with him, they're all gone. Wow. Any of them that had promise back then. So literally what I got is a seven and a half year old buck in there and then some young bucks so far is what I have. And that's it. So, you know, that's also a, just a, it's just incredible to me, a testament to him that he has survived mm -hmm. to, to be a seven and a, a legit seven and a half year old deer. And I guarantee you, if I kill him, I guarantee it. That's what he'll be aged at because when you get them at two and a half, they're very obvious. Yeah. You know, one and a half is you can really tell and two and a half, you can really tell out here. It's just, they are what they are. And I probably have, I would say 25 minutes of video on him at two and a half. So I was really able to break him down what he really, what his age was. So all that to say this deer holds like a really close, like a really tight grip on me a little bit like i really want to get after him and i was gonna hunt him last year at six and a half but i got snowed out of that country super early and according to my cameras he vacated right away mm -hmm. so, so he didn't get go, sorry Aaron, go ahead no you're you're good keep going i was just gonna say so it might have done me a favor last year that snow coming because he was he made a really good jump from six and a half to seven and a half this year. And he's an incredible whitetail. I, he would be probably the one of the best velvet bucks I'll ever have a chance to kill in my life. It, and to add, he tends to hold his velvet, which is cool. Usually till about September 7th up to the 11th. Okay. So based on dad. How, how consistent is he right now? He's consistent for a mountain buck. I don't think in the world of whitetails, my consistency to what like I've even experienced in the Midwest and the South is even close, but I'll get him right now between my two scrape setups because he has really good bedding at both of them. And I know he adjusts with the wind on both sides of the drainage, but I'll get him two to three times a week in the daylight. When he's wow. in there, that's a lot, which I is feel like, <laughs> which is really good for me, but consider that's, that's two spots a mile apart. Sure. Okay. So, so I'm, yeah, I got to jump. I got to be at the right place at the right time. And Tyson said it to me yesterday. He said, dad, if that deer doesn't know you're in there, you're going to kill him. And the reason Ty said that is our deer are really privy to anybody coming up into those high mountains because they're not because it's not a normal thing right you know you're not driving by these deer every day Aaron the last two weeks of my scouting and people that don't know me if they're listening to this for the first time I have my summers off and my personal business I I personally block out big blocks and days when I can uh during the summer when I'm not teaching uh, to do this so in the last couple weeks of running around in just that just an area of say about a hundred mile area total if you drew a circle guess how many 
Just how many vehicles I've even seen out in the woods where I'm at targeting bucks total in two weeks? I'm going to guess four. Yeah, four or five total yeah. in two weeks. Wow. And there are people working, for service, loggers, very few. And my point is on that is when these deer have somebody roll in and they, they hear a truck park. So I'm playing that game. Uh, I'm going to be parking way back. I'm going to be driving in probably nine to 10 o'clock at night on purpose, sleeping in my truck. So it's an odd time to come in and not like during hunting daylight hours. Um, I'm going to be back. Uh, I have an extremely quiet vehicle on purpose uh, and an e-bike to, and I'm, I'm truly only, I'm not even e-biking behind any gated roads or anything. I'm e-biking just to be quiet mm -hmm. so that I can park way back. And I'm actually e-biking up roads that a pickup could drive up. So at any time, because it's the opener, any Tom, Dick, or Harry could roll up in there scouting or last minute set up and throw something over the bank and totally blow my hunt. Yep. Because that deer will hear vehicles that normally aren't up in that area coming into the drainage, you know, more frequently stuff like that happens. Mm -hmm. So I need, I need some stuff to, I need some things to play out. I think because the opener is during the week, I have a little better chance. Uh, but no, he's there and he's betting. He's betting from what I've seen so far. He's high elevation betting and using preferable winds picking the side of the drainage he wants to be on okay so far yeah so with having seven years well what would you five. say five years of 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 history with this deer i have on yes and in one drainage with two scrapes what are some historical patterns that you've picked up on him is he hitting the scrapes you know it, do you have like a window in in august or september i mean september that you've really honed in on that he's like man he's coming in on this moon, uh, you know, or is he coming in on this wind with this speed or this temp drop or this thermal? Like, have you come up with any, you know, historical patterns that might give you a little upper edge the next couple of days to get after this deer? You know, and you know me, I went back and I've been, I have been going through, I have a file on this deer for five years. He was in the up-and-comer file for two years, and then he got moved into the potential target at four and a half just because just I hoped he would make it to five. And then at five and six, he was looking really good, but I always had a little better buck. And then at six, again, I was going to go hunt him, but got snowed out. So all that to say, he has always been on video the most tiptoey sketchy herky jerky buck is as as, as tiptoey as they get even when nobody's around but he here's the one pattern that i have on him anytime i refresh his scrapes he's there within three days mm. even in the early season doesn't matter wind, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The wind, the moon, none of it has mattered. I went back and looked at all of it random times. Um, 
I was looking at him the other day and even way in the past, nine o'clock, 11 o'clock, one thirty, in the, in a hundred degree or 90 to a hundred degree weather days, which that's down low up high. It's probably 20 degrees cooler, 15 degrees cooler. He's running at about 5,000 feet right now. So it is cooler up there than actually the temperatures that show up on my, uh, documents, but he's always, he's always showed up on me after I leave and refresh. So there's a time and I won't give it dead away, but obviously I'm doing the three day thing on him Mm -hmm. because I know I truly believe if he's in the remote area, when I refresh those scrapes, I will pick him up on one of those two within three days and maybe earlier. So that's a pattern. No, it's not involved with exact wind or or exact moon phase or temperature conditions because it's from late August all the way into mid-October before the rut hits hard. He's always done it. He's always checked those scrapes. And I have a lot of video of him on those mocks and he overmarks other bucks. When other bucks start hitting, when I refresh, he comes in and checks more frequently, even in velvet. So that's an important part of my game and timing that I'm playing with him. And then I do have the luxury of two different locations to where I'll probably hunt the best win for me on that first hunt going in on the very first one after the you know, just after the three-day fresh, which is obviously happening, either just happened or is going to happen real yeah. shortly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm not going to totally give it away in case somebody, I don't know, I don't like giving away exact dates. Somebody might have saw my pickup in the woods or something. I know where right. I'm at now. So, anyway, all that to say, um, yeah, and I know that I'm close to his bedding zones on both. And okay. what's crazy about this, here's another pattern, Aaron. Likes to spend three to five days at one scrape area. And then there might be a day or two lag with nothing. And then he's at the other one. So that tells me he might even have a spot I don't know about where he hangs to in between. Right. Because if he wants to do a dead walk from one to the other, he could be there. You know, what can a how fast can a deer cover a mile and a half on the ground? Well, if it's flat ground, it's split second i've watched you know right but with, and if with, it's if it's steep ground it might be what 20 minutes 30 50 you know if he's jogging but but this time of year he'd be walking yeah. um but even if he moseys on over no more than a couple hours for a deer to go a mile and a half even if he's being real careful so sure so i i gotta play i gotta play my cards right on both setups and after the very first hunt I'm going to be able to obviously pull the cards and see if I'm in the game at that spot that I choose opening day. And then I'll go from there based on what those, based on what those cards say. And again, Aaron, I can't glass these deer. They are in right. Gigantic forests. Mm -hmm. There are no breaks in the forest to even see them unless they cross the count, the forest service road in front of you. That's it. Yeah. So it's all about, you know, for me, my binoculars are my trail cameras in the in that big country. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me this: so, you know, you're gonna go in 
literally tomorrow, right? I mean, tomorrow would be opening day as this is going live. So as if this is going live, it would be, yeah. But to be yeah. fair to your listeners, we're talking a day back. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're yep. recording this on Monday night. This is right. dropping tomorrow morning, which you guys are listening to it on Tuesday morning. Troy's opening day is Wednesday. So, right. you know, right. as you guys are listening to this right now, it, he's going to be hunting this deer tomorrow night. Or is it, let's just say this, It's is it a morning sit or is it a night sit? Do we know that? I will hunt this deer. Here's another one that everybody's going to go, what the fuck? <laughs> I'll hunt him all day if he's, if he's, yeah. as soon as I get there, Aaron, I'm going to check one card minimum on purpose because it's the first hunt of the year. I'm going to grab a card and I'm going to get in the stand and throw it on my phone and and go through it. And I will hunt that deer all day if he's making midday, mid-morning, late afternoon. Ran- if he's making random visits to check everything and move through, then I'm going to set all day if the wind permits it based on where I believe he's coming from in bed. Uh, another factor on this Aaron is I might catch him because of my elevation I have a really good chance in the morning I set up on these deer high for a reason for morning hunts I might catch him coming back through to his bed Mm -hmm. you know he might not get there till like two hours after daylight he okay all of his all of his water well at one at one of the scrapes his water's way down in the bottom that's the good. That's a spot I have a good chance of catching him in the morning. The other mock and setup that I've had him for five years, the water's 35, 40 yards behind me. And it's a thermal pull big time for me. And it's full of blowdowns. He never, he can, he would have to be a Olympic hurdler to work his way up through what's right behind me where that wind should be pulling. He comes up on two different finger ridges to get to that spot and then if he needs water at the one that's 35 where the creek is 35 yards from me if he needs that water he'll walk right by me to get to it i got you so let's let's play hypothetical here you're you're gonna go in on the opener it's probably you're probably not gonna are are you gonna go in to hunt in the morning are you gonna go in with your stuff like probably while it's daylight is that what you're gonna do and just check the card and jump in or how's how's Walk us through what tomorrow is going to look like, the opener. Okay, so let's jump a day ahead, and if it's the opener, yeah. Tomorrow would be all – if it was tomorrow right now, which in two days it will be, I will – on the opener, I will be sleeping in my truck the night before close to him, and I'll go up on him the night before after dark, pull up in there 9, 10 o'clock at night, just a random rig out in the woods in the dark park i'll have i always i always have everything perfectly laid out and ready to go for that morning i'll just crawl in the back of my truck i'll have everything ready all my clothes will get hung out on a tree right next to where i park on purpose to air out all night everything and i mean all my clothes i'll have my spray everything i use vanishing hunter to spray down i'll I'll get out of that I'll get out of that pickup, deadly quiet, real careful that morning. Probably, I mean, depending on which spot I'm hunting him at, 
at least an hour and a half before daylight. I get out, I take my time, I do everything methodically, I get dressed, I spray down, I get dressed. All my clothes have been out all night. I don't care if they have a little dew on them. It's going to be 85 degrees during the daytime. Now, it's Mm going to be cold in the morning. It'll be 35 to 45 degrees, so it'll be cold. So I will have my layers, layers in my backpack to throw on once I get to the stand. I'll get dressed. Headlamp, me and my headlamp are good friends. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then I'm going to, for this deer, and it's not all my deer because I have different circumstances, but for this deer, I'm going to go ahead and have my e-bike setting there fully charged right beside the bike the night before so I don't have to make noise getting it out of the truck. It'll all be super silent in the morning, even though I'm probably a true mile on an e-bike from him. If the, if the nighttime is quiet, you can hear a pin drop in those mountains a mile away, mm-hmm. like a clank, a clank or a tick. Uh, I'm not shit yet. Really carries up through the drainages. Get on the bike. Pack will be on my back. If I, I'll have the equipment in my little box on the back of my e-bike ready to bone him out, pack him back. I'll be ready for. I'll be ready to kill and to get him out. Because what if I, you know, if I shoot him at one or two o'clock in the afternoon, it's going to be 90 degrees and probably 80 up there. So I'll have everything dialed if I kill. But anyway, e-bike in. And I usually park my e-bike at least a quarter away from the deer, from the stand. So 400 yards. And both of these, both of these spots are really cool. I e-bike uphill and I come in from, on both these deer, I come in from the east and the east in the southeast, I get a lot of west and north, or a lot of west and south winds. But I I come in basically on an eastern approach on both of these deer and downhill. So I'll park my e-bike, and then there will be no sweat, no noise. I've already got those trails cleaned out all the way to these stands. So they're clean. Yeah. Like they're going to be, they'll be quiet. And if there's a little dew on the ground, it'll be awesome. It'll be super quiet sneaking in. And it's both of these stands are a downhill descent from the e-bike. So off the e-bike, bow, uh, pack, everything's ready. Creep down in. I like to get there right at gray light. And I'll have my binoculars right here. We're not on video, but I'll have my binoculars on my chest. And I'll just peek at about 70, 80 yards away the best I can through the timber to see if, you know, he truthfully he's hardly ever there right at daylight, which I like. I don't I don't even know if I've had him right at daylight ever. Okay. The, the morning hunts are usually hour, two hours and three hours later because he's ascending his way back up to his bedding zones and checking me, checking my scrapes before he beds. But yep. I'm telling you, huge, huge elevation here. Aaron, this deer easily could be feeding down below and going to the creek bottoms down below, the, especially the one stand, a 1,000 feet of elevation. So That's he crazy. works his way back up in the mornings. And I get him on video doing that a lot, coming up early. So I'm hoping to basically backdoor him, slide into the stand, check, make sure he's not, nope, you know, I don't want to blow him out of there. If I saw him, I'd just hold tight and just let him do his thing. 
because I want to kill him and I'll kill him. A, you know, he might come back later that day and he does that a lot. Right. A lot of times he's two times in one day when he does show. So anyway, I'm working into the stand, checking at gray light, just barely be able to see, at least make an outline of a deer out. And then slide into my tree stand. But because it's my very first hunt on him ever, I'm first time I've ever targeted him. I'm going to, I set up a camera on him at both of these spots. You're going to laugh, but I have four cameras at one and five at the other. <laughs> on one scrape? No, I have, I have three cameras at one spot on three entrance and exit trails. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And a good 20 to 30 yards away. I purposely on this deer this time, because I knew I was going to hunt. I knew I was going to hunt him the last time I was in there. I went ahead and put a cheater camera right next to my tree stand with a big view of this scrape and his travel in. And then I always have one on the scrape. So there's five at one and four at the other, but those extra cameras that on this buck are are way out on those trails catching his morning and evening travel or midday travel. I'm trying to really get his wind dial. They all have wind indicators in them. They're all on video. The only camera on picture is the cheater camera at my stand. That's just checking pictures for me. And I'll get a lot of, you know, I put it on three shots Yep. and it's back at, it's back at my stand, Aaron. So if I get him, I'll bet you it's going to be 15, 20, 30 yards away from him. Okay. And it's a blacked out camera that makes no glow, nothing. Real quiet little camera. So I did that at both sites. That's the camera that I have no problem grabbing the card out of right by my stand and going up the tree. Get up in the tree. If everything's cool, you know, if I think a deer's close or get any sense of a deer close or moving, I ain't checking that card until everything in my gut feels like based just everything i'm feeling is i got a little you ever feel like that when you're in a stand you go i got oh, some yeah. time here yeah you know yeah nothing, i feel it a lot <laughs> yeah you know and hey when you sit all day you have those moments where you just go okay don't make any noise here but right. i can move a little bit i can check this card so i will take the first opportunity to check the card that i feel good about knowing me i'm probably going to be on high alert that first hour if i feel oh, yeah. like if I, oh if the wind's good and and if i just feel like yeah or and, and the nice thing is aaron when i slide in there at my tree i will look over at the scrape on both the scrapes for my tree are about 20 yards 25 yards i will at least look over and get a good check on it in the gray light to see if it's got a lot of tracks in it because the last time i was there i swept them perfect and made the dirt bed just perfect. So any tracks in there are going to show. Yep. But anyway, getting that tree stand there, and then I'm going to check that card, and that card's going to tell me a lot. If Let's say I get in there, and he hasn't been there for six or seven days. I got to be honest with myself and go, okay, think about his pattern. If he's been up at the other spot for three or four days and taken a couple days to get here like he does, this might be the day this might mm -hmm. be the day he's rolling over to this side or he might be freaking maybe somebody come in and did a setup this last week 
scan in the middle of me and I have no idea and he got blown out. I have no idea. Right. So I will set it out and please interrupt. I'm kind of just, no, you're good. I like this. I will, I will set it out that morning based on how everything just feels on the wind. You know, if I feel like I really got in clean, I got in quiet, these mountain bucks, I'm telling you, I've set so many hours where you don't see shit, nothing. And then you see the one deer you want to kill all day. Remember last year when I killed that big deer, I didn't see until the end of the day. Yep. I'd seen one deer all day, and that was at the tail end of the rut. Mm-hmm. Now and I don't have a. I don't go. Go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say what you know. You're let's say you're in the stand, hypothetical again. Let's say. Okay, let me ask you this first. When was the last confirmed picture you have of them? At one of these do spots. To, do I have to say? <laughs> Can you give me like, uh, <laughs> well, okay, let, let's just say this. Let's say hypothetically, just because I, I think people would be wanting to know this. Yeah. Let's say hypothetically, you get in the right. stand and he hasn't been there for a month. Oh, what, yeah. That's, what, that's what are you issue. doing then? I'm, I, I'm, if he hasn't been there for a month, I'm going to give it, I'm going to instantly think about the wind direction that I got there the thermals that are playing out and how I can get over to that other stand and when I need to move th that day. Cause I would will you still go be think, Would you still be thinking that if he hasn't been there in like 10 to 14 days? So 10 to two weeks. That's that's that. Yeah. That 10, that two weeks kind of sucks in the mountains. That kind of tells me something ain't right. Now, when you start squeezing it down to seven, eight, nine days, telling you these mountain bucks do not stay in one place yep okay they they're getting pushed by predators a lot aaron mm -hmm. they can't stay in one place or, or they just don't survive i got a mountain lion on camera at both these spots so yeah that's a, those are really good questions um if i was in a congregated smaller where deer have to stay man i'd be right i i you know i would look at it differently maybe but because I have these two options, I'm going to probably move if he hasn't been on camera in the last seven or eight days. Why? Okay. I got to get over to that other spot that day. Knowing me, I'd move it. I'd probably tough it out on purpose just to see what's do going on there till about 10 o'clock, 11. Okay. Then that gives me that perfect 11 o'clock. I mean, it's August 30th, for God's sakes. You got a long season left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so that 11 o'clock to two to three o'clock hotter. Honestly, our deer hardly move at all at two or three this time of year. Cause that's the hottest part of the day. Yeah. So I would get over, do the same exact process to get over to that other stand, jump on the e-bike, get out of there quiet. Oh, I'd refresh everything before I left. I'd freshen it up before I left, blow it up for him. Cause you just never know. He right. might've got spooked off by a pack of wolves for 10 days. You just don't know. You don't always get that shit on camera. They're out somewhere else getting pushed. So I go over to the other spot, Aaron, and do the same thing. Get up in there, fill it out. As soon as I felt like the coast was clear in the stand, I'd have that card. That's that cheater card. I call them to cheat a little jump up my tree stand. It's not cheating. I mean, shit. It's not like, I mean, <laughs> I right. call it a cheater card, but what it is, it allows me to 
not go cross out there at exactly. that scrape, but I still get a look at those pictures from way back. And all mm-hmm. I need to do is see him, even if it's not a beautiful picture. I just need to know that he's been there and what dates. Yep. So get over there and hunt it the same way. Now you can what if the hell out of me now. <laughs> well, tell me this. Okay, I got another hypothetical. You do everything you just said. You're sleeping yep. in the truck. You do everything quiet. Hang all your clothes out. You're going on the e-bike. You get a good ascent in from the top of the hill. You come down. It's gray light. You're glassing. You don't see any deer around. You know, you had a good indication that like, hey, I think I'm in clean. You pick that cheater card out. You get up in the tree. You know, you feel like you're safe. You can you can look at the card. You pop it in your phone. He was there, and you busted him out of the scrape when you walked into that stand. Now what are you doing? Like, he was literally sitting there, and you can put the pieces. Like, you're coming in at 630. You get to your tree at 630, but he was there at 629. You know, and you, and, and uh, there's there's a picture of his tail and his rack going the other way. Like, what are you doing then? I'm saying, fuck. <laughs> And and I'm, I apologize to all the listeners. Oh, you're good. I shouldn't talk like that, but that's the truth. Yeah. I, I would say, fudge. Yeah. Son of a bee. Because t- I'm telling you, Aaron, I'd be like, because if he, it depends. And I won't know this about him until later. But if he knew I was a human, human, coming in to hunt him there. This dude's been dealing with hunters for seven and a half years. Mm-hmm. He's going to, he's and, and my safety net is he's going to probably move over to the other side. So I'm cool with that, but I'd be pissed that I didn't see him down in there. That's why I do gray light. I never walk in in the dark unless I'm rolling the dice and desperate. Right. I just, I am very disciplined with my approach on my bucks because I, they do not give me second chances if I f it up. Rare, they just, they just don't, Aaron. They just mm-hmm. don't out here. They're really, they're really in tune with what's going on. So yeah, I would be pretty up. I would be pretty internally upset for about five seconds, and then I'd flush it and go, okay, I just blew him out. He's probably not going to be anywhere near this ridge for a while. Especially if I, especially if he blows and snorts and throws a fit, he does that. The mountain bucks don't do that unless they're really, really, really spooked. They usually just slink off mm-hmm. and get the hell out of there because they don't like predators to hear them. So they usually just slink and leave like our bulls do because of the wolves. They just slink and go. Um, I would uh, check the card then if I knew it was him. Well, I already checked the card, so I did know it was him. I would probably switch all the cards, refresh the whole place and get out and decide, okay, do I need to go hunt that other side just to see what he's been doing over there? Yeah, I better do that. Do I have other bucks to go hunt? You bet. So I'm sure I go check that other side, that other drainage side, and that other scrape. And then decide, do I have a chance of him showing up over here? And I think I could because I'm on an e-bike. I'm not making any noise. Right. If I can get all the way across and clean, 
And if I get over there and those cards are on fire too, and he's kind of been doing the three-day bounce back and forth, then I probably, if I had a really good win for that other side, it would work. He's he's going to be headed that way if I blow him out of that scrape like you explained, because I'm coming down on top of him. So that's going to push him towards that other side. So I might, Aaron, I might go set that till dark, and then I'd have to go back to the drawing board if nothing happened and if there yeah. wasn't much going on. Yeah, that was what I was curious about, because if you've got two scrapes that he's religiously on, there's a couple things that you could think of there. You know, um, definitely, because selfishly, I'd want to know what you're doing, because I know what I think I would do. I would definitely try to go check those other cameras on oh. that other scrape, just because you never know. He could have spent the last four days there, and he just just started, you know, started doing his loop or something like that, or... Or yeah. it's just a, or you know, in your mental state, it could be like, oh, it's a fresh start. I didn't bump him here. He could still right. show up here. But the oh, other yeah. thing, the other thing, you know, I thought about doing is too is like, what about the old fashioned bump and dump? You know, would that, would that? I know it's really hard mentally to get over. Like shit, I just bumped uh, a mature deer that I've been chasing, an, an old, cagey, smart deer. There's, you know, you're fighting with yourself. Is he going to come back? He may. Why would he? I just bumped him. So, like, how do you play that scenario? That's what I always, like, goes through my head. Me, personally, I'd get the hell out of there. I've never had a bump and dump work. I'd just be like, I need answers over at this other scrape to see what the hell's been going on over there. That's me, personally. Yeah, and Aaron, I want to talk about this. This is a really good topic you're bringing up. We always say, wherever you hunt... You, the individual, you have to play the card you're dealt. I have I started running trail cameras in the early 2000s where I could actually get real proof of what my bucks were doing. So let's say 20 years minimum. I have killed a lot of big whitetails in the last 20 years. Um, a lot of old bucks. There's, I mean, a lot of old ones in the mountains. I have screwed up and boogered bucks that were old. Guess how many I've ever had come back ever after bumping them, ever? Zero. Zero, ever. Yeah. Guess where they freaking show up? A I, mile the, away. I was going to say on other people's uh, truck tailgates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know what or I mean? People, or, or on other people's cameras. Now, yeah. Everybody needs to stop and look at their equation. What's my equation? Heavy predators. You cannot stay put if you get bumped or you die. Heavy predators. Long, long rifle seasons. If you get bumped, you better run for your freaking life if you get bumped in rifle season. Because you're going to get shot at in the brush and you're going to get chased all day, tracked in the snow. So my bucks get tracked too. So they grow up with that. Then they get tracked by mountain lions and wolves a lot. Mm -hmm. So they got to be on the move. They don't have a, there is no reason for him to get scared shitless. And why would a buck in the mountains that gets, can get eaten by a mountain lion, get scared shitless of something and want to come back to that spot? He'd already be dead. He'd already be wolf crap. If he, yeah. if he did, that, if he acted like that. So what our young deer learn from their mothers, my does will freaking they'll go a mile. With their, with their fawn if they need to. They will flat out just haul ass for about a mile, and then they'll settle in. And then they'll gradually work their way back to their favorite spots. 
Yeah. So for me, a good bump and dump would be, in my opinion, based on my true 20 years of evidence of cameras, I usually give a buck at least a week to come back if I booger him. If I booger him up and I know and I have witnessed that I boogered him. Yes. So for me, a bump and dump's about a week later. Yeah. So I, now, li- I live not, in that I'm same. Staying, Aaron. I'm not. I li- and you pressure. Yeah, I live in that same camp though, Troy. Like I, I've just never. I mean, there's been instances too. Like you know, I'm just kind of give you like a firsthand experience on, you know, a, a farm that we hunt here in Michigan, and it's got a lot of rifle hunters on it. So like opening day rifle season, you've got the whole farm covered. Like we've got 11 guys that hunt the farm, so. There's been numerous times where, you know, we used to run walkie-talkies. Now they have phones you can text or whatever. But there used to be times where a guy on the north line would say, hey, you know, there's such, such buck coming at you. Be ready, you know, whatnot. Um, and then that it w- that buck would roll by him. And then he'd, you know, say to the next guy. We've had where they've pinged from each person, you know, not 11, but like we've we've physically watched deer through a walkie talkie and, and sightings, how they right. move through our farm on, you know, on an opening day. Well, a certain instance happened where one, one of the guys actually like bumped the deer, you know what I mean? And then he ended up getting shot on the neighbors, uh, that day. Like he bumped him in, you know, after, after, uh, you know, opening day, the night comes and, you know, camps come together and it's like drink a beer and kind of see who where everybody shot. So we, we kind of started putting the pieces together when the guy brought the deer up to camp. It was like, okay, where do you sit at? So we get the map out and everything and look at the map. This deer traveled almost a mile, three quarters of a mile to, and then ended up getting shot like a half hour, 45 minutes later, you know? And it's yep. just like, you just never know, but I've never had like one of those bump and dump scenarios work. And just you said it perfect. It's like, you know, if you get if you get scared shitless in an area, I just can't imagine they're gonna. If you get stung by a bee, you're not gonna go and 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 kick the hornet's nest again. Like you're just right. That's just the way I look at it, and well, I know a lot of guys swear at, by it too. You know. Well, well, and it's fair because there's another side to that that works. Yeah, you gotta look. You gotta look at the out for these bucks. My sure. bucks have, my bucks have literally no bullshit hundreds of thousands of acres of covered timber of an out. Yeah. So why would you have to come back? But let's say you're a deer. And again, we're not even talking age and we're not even really talking the pressure yet. We're just talking about bumping them. Mm-hmm. That all the age and pressure goes into that equation too. Like how, how crafty are they? How careful are they? How old are they? Where do they live? You know, a deer, in Michigan, that's three is probably as sharp as a deer that lives in a non-pressured state that's five. I'll, yeah. I'll just say that, and, and I believe that. that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say that with my mountain bucks; they're they're smart, they're very cagey, young, because they have to be. But but t- think about the out. Some deer have huge outs. My bucks have the biggest out there is. They can go any direction they want for endless miles. And have feed and water everywhere and cover everywhere for miles. So why would they not adapt and do that to stay alive? And they do. Yeah, yeah. So for that's sure. why it doesn't. That's why it really doesn't work out here. It just doesn't even play into your cards. And I've got again 
over 20 years, but at least 20 years of true pictures and evidence of when I really buggered a buck, and I knew I did, usually a week at the earliest before, especially early season, when they're when they're not pulled in by does or anything other than a bedding area and a feeding and watering area they like in early season, they're not pulled by females. So usually at least a week, Aaron, maybe two weeks before I see them again. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And 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 I, I don't want to say anybody listen, I don't want to say I'm against bump and dumps. You're I just they've never worked for me, you know. So I just don't live in the bump and dump camp. So <laughs> And I and I I have very close friends that can kick ass doing it mm-hmm. because they hunt deer that want to come back. And this is why. Fair to the listeners. The very best bedding area those guys have uncovered. They yeah. have found in a minimal choice. Remember, my deer have millions of outs. Some deer have one really, really good spot that has kept them alive. These good, these really good whitetail hunters that live in those kind of places, they go locate these. They find these beds. They know that that deer wants to come back there. He spent six, seven years going back to that spot to save his life. So guess what? He is conditioned through years and years of practice of he's got to get back there as soon as the thing that scared him leaves. Mm -hmm. So I think on the flip side of it, and I want to make sure this is said, I think it's an incredible tactic for deer that need to and want to and have been conditioned to get back to that very best spot. Yeah, I do agree 100% with you on that, Troy. I really do because, and it all goes back to what you said, it's all about the cards you're dealt and the scenario you're in. The out that they have, the, you know, you, like you said, you have a lot of copy and paste. You have a lot of areas in your, in your neck of the woods that is like where your scrape is, there's probably a copy and paste of that probably a mile away. And then there's another one, probably 400 yards. You know what I mean? Like you have, like, it's, it's crazy to me with this big country that you live in and you hunt, how you can get a deer to live in a certain drainage when that drainage, there's going to be another one that offers the same amount of stuff, probably, you know, in a different area. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's sometimes, would you agree with that? Yeah. I'm, um, yeah. Uh, sorry, it's getting dark out here. Oh, you're good. Um, I, I live in, I, I hunt this vast country and my hunting is needle in a haystack type stuff. Sure. That's once, what I, that's what I'm I, meaning. Yeah. Once I find that scenario that works so well for that old buck to survive, he he's probably in trouble if I don't screw it up. Yep. Find finding it is the hard part. Right. Because you will because you will see and come across cut and paste areas that look the same. But guess what, Aaron? They don't all hold the, the same they don't all hold sure. a cal, a caliber of deer I'm looking for. Sure. So, and and I'm speaking like in yeah, a generality no, 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 as no, well. It, no, it's really cool. I just it's really interesting you brought that up because I just, I mean, I, I've, I've been helping a lot of guys out here in the mountains and they will find the picture perfect looking layout, the Troy Pottinger scripted lookout layout. But guess what? Guess what's missing from the equation? The deer, the, the actual deer that I find. Yeah. Yep. So in, in that scenario right there, Troy, so 
first of all, I was talking like a generality of like maybe some acorns or mass that you have mixed with uh you know uh some water in in a decent bedding. That's the copy and paste I was kind of meaning like you could yeah, find that in a lot yes, of different everywhere. drainages. So that's what, what I meant. Aaron, you'd find so much of it that you'd go, holy shit, this all looks amazing. Intimidating, too. It probably it's like, where do you where do you start kind of thing? It's it's a yeah, and you yeah, we're yeah, there's so much unbelievable picture perfect country out here. And it just doesn't have the inhabitants that you're looking for in it. Yeah. And that's why that's why you gotta put the work in. So Troy, I wanna I wanna you hit on something in it and I wanna I want to gloat on you a little bit because you, you talk about how you help guys out in the mountains and everything. And, and they quote unquote, find the Troy Pottinger picture perfect areas, but they're missing the biggest part of the equation. They're missing the caliber of bucks that you get. So now with that being said, this is my outsider's perspective and knowing you nothing against those guys that are, that are, that are trying to up their game and, and be better hunters and woodsmen and everything. But where you set yourself apart, in my opinion, is how you handle your, your approaches, how you, how you, how you cover your tracks in a sense, when you, how you treat an area with, with kit gloves, you know what I mean? How you really delicately, delicate, delicately, you know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> how you yeah. treat an area with a scrape and and your scent and how you approach an area how you leave an area how how when a deer comes in the area they probably in a lot of sense they might know a human's there but but it really just doesn't booger them i think you do that better than better than a lot of people like that's where i think you set yourself apart on these areas because a lot of guys can trip into areas like this i feel like it's just how you how you handle it after you find it. And I think you do that on an elite level. Well, I've had to learn and make myself get to that point if I wanted to be successful because it really sucks to go out and let's say you do trip into one when you're young. It really sucks to trip it or it's really cool to trip into one and be all jacked and excited about it. But then you booger him and he's gone. And then if you keep doing that year after year after year, I know guys that would kind of get like down on hunting because it's mm -hmm. so difficult. So to speak on what you said there, for me, I always just wanted to go in and out like a whitetail buck would and get out with no trace that's just always been how can i get in and out of here like i was an old whitetail buck and leave no trace other than my whitetail scent that i leave and get out mm -hmm. um and that's taken a long time Aaron. it has it's i, I just get better at it every year it's a it's an evolving it, i love it <laughs> it's an it's an evolving um craft and you know, just like even this year, I did some things better than I've ever done ever because of learning from even last year's mistakes and the year before where I used the hell out of the rain this year, this summer. Uh, you know, and I, I've talked about that in the past, but like I made myself go this year when I knew at my best spots, all of me would be washed away in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. But 
but I also knew that what I was putting down on the ground wouldn't wash away in 30 minutes, you know, stuff like that. Or literally going to the point where I let it downpour and stood under a tree this summer. And then as soon as it started lightening up, I was right there in distance and loaded <laughs> that sucker up. And then I freaking just scooted out of there, you know, stuff like that. Now, yep. do, do you have to do that to kill deer? Hell no. But when you're hunting one specific deer, two or three, they're always specific every year. And you've let them get old and they probably know your scent. They probably know who you are. When it's time to actually want to kill them, that's where I really even change my game mode different when I know I'm going to actually try to kill the deer versus sure. monitoring for a couple of years. Yep. I got I'm you. still careful though. Still real careful, but yeah, I go into a different, I go into a kill mode, like the bucks I'm going to kill. Like I get, my brain just switches to very serious, but enjoyable serious. Not like, I'm not like uptight ever. I'm very, I'm very like grateful and thankful when I'm out there and I just so the best word is locked in. Mm -hmm. Serious isn't even in. the right word. Just locked in and and having a great time, loving every every little minute piece of evidence I can pick up right now, but also knowing that in a few hours I'm being a tree trying to kill <laughs> that guy that I've that I've known for five years. Okay, tell me this. What is the most ideal win that you need to get in there on get in there on that scrape where you're trying to go? Either I wanted to talk both of them. They're a little different, but they're close. What whatever one you're gonna go to okay, let's, for that okay. first set. Okay, that first set one. Okay. So that first set one. If I could get if I have a true west wind, it's gonna be killer because my east approach. And my downhill gray light morning thermal draft, as soon as I get to that big ravine that I cross full of blowdowns and I have a trail cut through it, that's incredible. It's perfect. It doesn't, I mean, it's a beautiful trail, but you wouldn't notice it unless you got to it. Little tiny trail cut down through all those blowdowns from years ago. Like I took a chainsaw in there the first year and made it work. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I will hit that ravine with a gorgeous class A stream running through it, cold, cool water. And as soon as I get to the, on the east side of the ravine, before I even go down and cross it towards the west side, that thermal vacuum pull will take all of my scent down that creek for a freaking mile. And wow. it's going to be low to the ground. Plus, as soon as I pop up and crawl up out of that ravine on the, I'm, I'm traveling east towards the west. You follow me? Yep. And, and I'd really like that west wind because as soon as I pop up on the edge of that bench, then the prevailing wind and the downhill thermal are still going to push me right back to the creek. I like it. And then it's, and then it's like 15 yards max to my stand. Oof. I like that, man. That's a good picture. I like that. So you want... You want a west wind, a straight west then. Yeah, and a southwest can work because okay. that'll be blowing northeast. And he, if he comes from the northeast, he's going to miss my entrance trail by on the trail that I know he would come in on if he comes from the northeast. He's going to miss my entrance trail, and I have lots of years of video of him doing this when he comes from the northeast. 
He'll miss my entrance tra trail by 20 yards. And he'll come down on top of me. And what I mean on top of me is he'll come down from the north and towards the south, and he will be at a 45 to me. He'll miss my entrance trail. My scent will still be blowing just below him, just off his nose. And before he can ever get behind me, I'll kill him. And okay. he'll have to go. I've only got a 15-yard pinch behind me that he could sliver through behind me, and I'd have him killed before he crossed that. And I've always I've always made sure everyone – it doesn't matter if I'm hanging and hunting in Iowa or if I'm hanging and hunting in Oklahoma or if I'm hunting out of a preset out here. I always make sure I can always kill both sides of my back trail before they cross my wind. Always. Mm -hmm. Got to. Always. I like that. I like that, that. You got to have that. You got to do that. You know, so – Aaron, a north, even a northeast would work. I do not. I won't go into. You mean that a southwest? Stand. You're saying? Uh, uh, you said northeast would work. No. Oh, yeah. Sorry, backwards. Southwest. A yep. southwest would work because it's going to blow northeast. Yes. Sure. That northeast. What I meant by northeast is it blowing towards the northeast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That northeast yep. blow or that eastern blow, so out of the west and the southwest, will be money. And again, at the very start of this podcast, I told you, you said, Troy, which stand are you going to go to? It will be wind-driven at 4 o'clock in the morning. If I have to take my e-bike the long way over to the other stand because the wind changed on me, I will. Mm -hmm. Okay. I set these stands up so that the same exact wind would hunt differently on purpose so that I'm not totally buggered at both spots. Gotcha. By the by the by a bad wind by um by the same identical wind, if that makes sense. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, next one, does he come in solo, or by or with a running mate? So, I, I told. Oh, I know. <laughs> so, at two and a half, he was with the deer in eighteen that I was trying to kill. At three and a half, he paired up with a superstar just like him. And this is the cool, I got to add this into the equation. That buck could show up any day. Oh, really? So there's another, there's another seven and a half year old superstar. Okay. If he's alive, but I don't have him. Sorry. I'm loud, uh, but no, I, I'm, getting excited. I'm getting freaking excited, dude. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I get loud. I'm really sorry. Um, no, I just get fired up because traditionally, let, let me jump, just hang with me here. Traditionally, the other superstar always shows up later, late August. And I call him Captain America. He could show up any day. He traveled with Cap, him and Cap. I, I call the buck I'm trying to kill Burley, but he and Cap traveled together at three and a half, four and a half, five and a half early season. Okay. When they both hit, when they both hit six and a half last year, always separate. And, I'll, and now listen to this, Aaron. Almost always when one was at one scrape for two or three days, the other one would be at the other scrape for two or three days. So when so, they hit six and a half, they decided we've had enough of each other. So to answer your question, he has not traveled with a buck for two years. Okay. So he's going to be solo but mission. He's a solo dude. And he started getting solo even at five and a half. Five and a half, I noticed him and Cap, uh, Burley and Cap started 
not traveling together a lot, but sometimes they still tolerated each other. But at six and seven, I have not seen Cap yet. And he's been by himself for two years and Cap was all by himself last year. Now, if Cap shows up, he's, he's, he's right there at equal caliber deer. So I'll have to make a, if that, if that deer shows up on me, like he could, cause I have four years of history with him. He showed up at three and a half, but he's the same age as Burley. So when Burley was three and a half, they were both same age. So the whole thing is I got to be ready for cap to show up. And I'll tell you what, Aaron, one thing about these mountains, I might have a trespasser in early season roll through that I've never seen before. And I've had this on camera before two of the biggest bucks I've ever had on camera in my life. Both of them pushing 200 190s, 200. They were velvet trespassers for one or two days. And then I never seen them again and couldn't find them. Jeez. So I gotta be, I gotta be ready for that. Okay. I got a hypothetical. Cap and Burley come in together. Who you shooting? 20 yards broadside. Who you shooting? Oh, that's a great <laughs> question. Hey, Troy, this could happen tomorrow. And, and or, it can. Know, because, it, it truly can because at three and four and five, they did it. So, you know, I, the way I look at it is when they were six, they became alphas and enemies. Yeah. Now at yeah. seven, who knows? They could be old grandpas, and they like to go have coffee together and everything, and they're just rolling around together again. So, so Cap, I haven't seen a picture of yet. And I haven't sized him up. Remember I said Burley made a big jump this year? Yeah. Cap's going to have to look pretty freaking good for me to shoot him. Because <laughs> Burley made a great jump. And he's the one I've had since he was two and a half. So if they're equals, I'm going to shoot Burley. Okay. Cap, if they're equals. But So it's going to take Captain this... showing up and being bigger antler-wise to, to get him. He's... Cap's going to have to make Burley, to me, not look so Burley. <laughs> I like it. I and, like and, it. And, Bur and Burley, I don't. I think I showed you a picture of him. He's 9x9 nine nine scorable. Mm. He's a 6x5 mm -mm. five mainframe with with cheaters. But he's a 9x9 nine nine of scorable junk on his – counting the junk on his bases. Yep. Gosh, and he's stud. And he's probably six inch bases all day, six and a half in the velvet. He hmm. just a he, and he looks pure Canadian when you look at him. He looks like a damn Canadian deer, and he's a two hundred and fifty pound deer on the hoof. I guarantee it all day. I love that. Just so a he's big a really deer. Cool, just a big old brute of a deer, northern deer. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. just you know he reminds me of the big North Wisconsin type deer, the Canadian bucks, the. Our our northern bucks look like the north Mon northern Montana bucks, the Saskatchewan. They all they all kind of have that look to them because they. I think I showed you a picture of Aaron. He's really heavy, really yeah. heavy. Yep, I remember big, it. Big mass. Um. Yeah. So there we go. Oh gosh, I hope it happens. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to kill him this week because you know I don't. Not going to watch Ty play because he can't suit down this week. He's got to get better. Um, I'm going to hunt four days straight as long as I'm in the game. If I'm not in the game with anything after day one, I'll kind of know by checking both. If I have, if I'm forced to check both on mm -hmm. day one, or at least by day two, if I'm not in the game, Aaron, then like if they both just not been on camera at all, then I got a, I got another option too. Okay. 
Okay. I got another state. I got another state and other options. All right. Last question for you tonight, Troy. What is your confidence level going into the opener? What 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 are we looking at right now? Um, on that buck I call Burley. It's on Burley. Really, yep. it, it's it's really high because as he's gotten older, and as he's grew up monitoring and checking and overmarking and taking ta- or keeping tabs on my scrapes, he's become way more of a daylighter than he was at four, five, and six. Okay. Um, I truly feel because I haven't hunted him and have not put pressure on him, and I've given him beautiful scrapes, multiple doe family groups. He lives in a great area for water, food, cover. I feel like, as you know, I think a lot of guys will agree with me, these bucks get to a certain age, and the shit that works for them, they start to kind of shrink their – they kind of – they kind of shrink their ground, their core mm-hmm. travel this time, especially early season. But they also, I feel like when they don't get buggered and you can get them to the age where they're the best they've ever been, they are sometimes a little more killable because they're confident. Okay. They think it's a they think it's a very safe place to be in the daylight. And his daylight photos this year are showing that. Okay. I like so it. So really, your, your confidence is I'm, high right now. Yeah, Pete, uh, Tyson nailed it. If that deer is around at one of my two scrapes, doesn't matter which one, I'll get on him in four days. And he doesn't know I'm there. I'll kill him. Oh, I like that. I like that. I think that's a good place to end right there, Troy. I really do, man. That was, uh, that's, oh, I, I feel for you right now. I'm I'm jacked. I'll actually, be, you know, get to be in a tree here in a couple days um, with a camera, but there is a good chance that uh, I'll have a bow in my hand shortly thereafter. But uh, I'm a little jealous of you. You get a couple day jump on me. It's all right though. I can, I can get it. I can give it to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be rooting for you guys. If I kill him, you'll get a text. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and if we kill, you'll be getting a text. If I can send a. I'm taking my Garmin inReach because where we're going, we don't have any service, and uh, okay. I'll I'll be I'll be sending out a text to Troy that uh, that we got one on the ground. So awesome! And does that inReach? Will you have to text me first to get through to you, or is it your phone number? Uh, you can text my phone number, and it'll come okay. through to me. Yep, that's what I thought. Okay, well, yep. that's cool, Aaron, and I'm as excited for you guys. Uh, I I I talked to you a lot this year. I want to kill a velvet bad, a big velvet. Like yeah. a legit, a legit velvet. And there's nothing more beautiful than thin skin, 250 pound plus seven and a half year old mountain freaking just hog. You know, that's to me that, that mount, that mount to me is freaking worth a million dollars to me I just because it, of what he is, because of what he is and what he survived. Yeah. It's been through a lot, man. Seven hunting yeah. seasons. And he's, he's got scars. You can see where, I don't know if a cat got a hold of him or what, but the dude is, the dude is a gangster up there. And Aaron, I've seen him once. I hope you put this on the podcast. I've seen him once in my life in the daylight in five years. Oh man. Number two. I've seen him once. 
see him the second yeah. sighting. Let's put an arrow through him, Troy. <laughs> yeah, and I was, you know, and I wasn't targeting him, but I was targeting bucks where he was, and I only yeah. ever seen him once. I've seen him one time. So anyway, yeah, I'm excited, bud. And again, I got some other good options that might be might make a really cool uh, follow up story if if I have to pivot and move. Good deal, man. Well, hey, this won't be the last time you're on the podcast. Once you kill, you'll be back on again, and we'll be chatting. So, Troy, thank you very much, man. Good luck, you know, tomorrow and then this week and the rest of the season as well. I know we'll be chatting, so thank you very much for coming back on. Yeah, thanks, Aaron, and good luck to you guys, uh, you and Jake. Best of luck to you guys. You guys are two of my favorite dudes, so good luck. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care.